You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to another episode of Tiger's SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com. I'm Roger Stewart alongside me, Chris Brown, and tonight we offer in a special guest from Bless You Boys, uh, TigersHangout.com, and on Facebook, Detroit Minor Leagues Tracker. That is welcoming Keon Carter, who is uh, celebrating Ohio State's uh, victory over U of M. And, and Keon, the reason why I wanted to mention that is because you were one of the only Ohio State fans who was surprised, but also wasn't braggadocious after the Buckeyes won. Because most times Buckeye fans are, I hate to say this, unsufferable on Twitter. And you are not one of them, sir. Uh, yes, I am. I absolutely am. <laughs> uh, I'm growing out of that a little bit. But... Um... Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I'm surprised you you went straight to that with tonight's episode, but, you know, we can talk about it for a minute. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people who understand X's and O's a little bit better than me who thought that was a better matchup than a lot of us here in Columbus expected it to be. Um, you know, a, a team that plays pretty much exclusively man coverage, it's kind of right into our right into our wheelhouse with the athletes that we have, and then... Um, Michigan got forced into some zone situations and they don't play zone. So um, we're able to exploit some guys being out of position and um, yeah, happy for the win. Um, and we don't have to talk about it anymore if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair enough. And uh, I, th- I think Chris and I have uh, kind of expressed our Michigan football hot takes, if you will. But uh, so uh, coming up tonight, we're going to be talking the Hall of Fame. We're, talk- we're actually going to kick that off with the Hall of Fame between with Harold Baines and Lee Smith getting in. Chris was part of the media on Saturday. We'll get his thoughts on meeting up with Casey Mize and Franklin Perez and Alex Fado. Um, also, we'll get into the Tigers' recent signings, and we'll get into some of the, the Tyler Ross uh, green turns with Lewis Coleman and some other items that happen of note. And we'll look around the Major League hot stove and some other signings around Major League Baseball. But let's kick things off with the Hall of Fame vote and Tony LaRusso, who was on Chris Russo's show, who... Uh, LaRusso was ripping on people who doesn't think that Harold Baines didn't belong in the Hall of Fame, and and the his uh, his exact argument was was weak, weak ass, superficial bull BS. And he was LaRusso, by the way, was one of the sixteen members of the today's game committee, and also just worth mentioning too, White Sox uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, owner, was also on there. So keep that in mind. Uh, Baines topped out sixty six point one percent. And that was his highest at, on the on the five years on the MM or on the Baseball Writers Association ballot, and the highest he ever finished was 1985 with MVP. That was it. So, uh, Larusa, by the way, was his manager from 1886, and you know, Ryan has been his own owner. So, um, even Baines even admitted that he thought Larusa and, and Ryan on the committee probably helped me, helped him, but. I'll kick things off with you, Chris. In terms of let's start with let's start with Harold Baines before we get to Lee Smith. Um, I I I was kind of scratching my head about this even when I when it was announced because Lou uh, Lou Pinello was on there and there was another one too that seemed like it was on the fringe too. But Harold Baines, I mean, what am I missing here? Yeah, I never in a million years would have guessed Harold Baines would get in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, it's funny. For a long time, there was all the talk about there would never, you know, there was no first overall pick in the draft in the Hall of Fame. And then, you know, we got King Griffey Jr. And I think did Chipper Jones get in yet, or he hasn't? I don't, I, I don't, I don't remember I'm, if he got in yet or not. Not but, yet. Or do yeah, he's, he's in. in. He's in. Yeah, he is in. Okay. Uh, but yeah, now we have Harold Baines. Um, 
Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where like if you just look at his counting stats, like you know, live in a world without any modern analytic stuff, they're pretty good. I think he was like a 289 hitter with 380 home runs and and close to 3000 hits. But there are so many players who had better careers who aren't in the Hall of Fame that it's it's kind of ridiculous. It's like I I don't know what what justifies Harold Baines. He you know, go, go on Baseball Reference, and they, they conveniently will bold any time a player leads the league in anything. And Harold Baines has won. He led the league in slugging once in his career. That's it. Uh, he has the same war as Maglio Ordonez, who, you know, was a good player. I don't think anybody's calling him a Hall of Famer. Uh, Gary Sheffield is better than Harold Baines in, like, 70 different ways. And he's not in the Hall of Fame, so it just—it made zero sense to me. I—I I, I don't get it. It does—it just seems like a case where a guy had a bunch of friends who thought he was a good person and a good ball player, and thinks he deserves to be in the, the Hall of Fame. And it, you know, I—I'm somebody who I normally don't give a shit about the Hall of Fame that much. You know, I, I'm happy for Harold Baines. Good for him. That's—that's that's awesome. Uh, but it just kind of makes a mockery of the the entire process if somebody who never gets more than like five or six percent of the vote is suddenly voted in later um sometimes that's you know sometimes it's it's a good thing because we realize hey this was a mistake this guy should have been gotten more consideration but it doesn't seem like a case with harold baines it's just a weird weird selection what about you Keon? what did you think of uh, harold baines getting in yeah i mean i mean i'm a child of the 80s grew up you know watching harold baines and um I, and I hate to bash a guy who just got elected to the hall of fame and i think this is less about harold baines than it is about all the other guys as chris mentioned who are clearly more deserving of hall of fame recognition so um but but yeah can you ever say he was among the elite players in the league he was a solid player for a long time um didn't wear a glove for a long time um, in the, probably the last decade of his career at least so it's it's definitely really unusual I generally don't care about the Hall of Fame either and I really don't care about this one <laughs> um, <laughs> until we start talking about Lou Whitaker you know what I mean like yeah. if, if if Harold Baines gets in how, how can Lou Whitaker who was among the elite at his position for a long period of time not be in the Hall of Fame. And that, that's kind of where my stance is. You know, and, and, and the same thing with, like, I mean, I think Lee Smith's argument, too, I mean, he was at one point the all-time leader in saves. So you can make a case for that. You can make a case about that in terms of, in terms of you feel like, for example, the, the, the counter is, well, saves were done differently they are, than they are now, which is, which is true. I mean, you look at three times in his career, he pitched over 100 innings. And in terms of, like, in terms of, Venting the, the role of the closer, if you will, but there's one name on here that I, I'm I'm just an utter shock of how come he's not having any consideration, considering he is now now if we're doing this game committee, it's now he he finished his career in twenty or two thousand four, and he's got a lifetime batting average of three twelve, WAR sixty eight point four, was a full time DH, and that's Edgar Martinez. I don't understand how Edgar Martinez has not even been considered or even put in there. I mean, well. I think there's a good chance he'll get in uh, this year in the actual, you know, Hall of Fame voting, the, the non-committee uh, version or whatever. It seems like things are, are getting much closer for him. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets in. 
But uh, yeah, it is, it's weird how sometimes they get tapped that, you know, some guys just get completely overlooked. I mean, if, if you put Baines in, you have to put Edgar Martinez in. There's just no debate. Uh, but you know, there are other guys like Kenny Lofton, who didn't even get 5% of the vote, who had a remarkable career that people just didn't realize. I think, you know, I wrote my Gary Sheffield article last year, and there, there are a number of reasons why I think some guys don't just don't get uh, the credit they deserve. And one of them is playing for a bunch of different teams. I think, uh, I think what was it? Well, Kenny Lofton played for like eight or nine different teams, and the only Hall of Famer who played for that many teams is Ricky Henderson. Or at least position player. It's just, uh, it's weird. It's like if you don't stay in one place long enough, you don't build up that groundswell of support uh, from anyone. Um, now with Edgar, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a bias against DHs, I guess. But that apparently is over now. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, would... it, it... go ahead, Keon. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I was looking at the at the Baseball Reference screen as well, Chris, and and the other thing. That, that kind of jumps out at me. They've got the column on the far right that shows you all the times that they ranked in the top 20 in the MVP voting. Mm-hmm. And um, Harold Baines finished in the top 20 in the MVP voting four times in his career. Um, and the highest he ever finished was ninth. So yeah. the, the, the best, the best career, the best year of his career, he was the ninth best player in the league. Um, and, and there's value in longevity. I, I understand that. Um, but I still think you have to have at least sustained elite performance to be a Hall of Fame consideration. Yeah, and, and it's, we talked before, like awards are sometimes misleading too. But yeah, this is this is a case where you're absolutely right. It's just there's there there is no justification for Hale Baines, given who else is in the Hall of Fame right now and what the traditional metrics have been. No justification for him. Uh, unless you are just picking out like the three most important stats to you and they are batting average home runs and hits, um, and, and <laughs> neglecting anything else. So I don't know. I, what did Tony LaRusso say? He's like, he mentioned something about game winning RBIs, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was some, yeah. It was something along the lines of how clutch of a hitter he was. And I guess, I mean, I, I don't see clutch points or clutch hitting in, in terms of a category. Um, this is exactly what he said too. Quote, Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer. It's a shame that he's be, he's been looked at as not right. In the 80s and 90s, most all the stats are that people trust. He was in the top five for 20 years. He drove in 100 runs late in his career, and he drove in an early. Game-winning RBIs, he's up there with the best of them. He has had a very distinguished career. And uh, Russo brought up Al Oliver, who had the same st- uh, stats and a better war. And then he said, quote, Al Oliver is not better than he is. No disrespect to Al Oliver. I used to watch... I used to watch you because I thought you knew the game. I'm going to start calling you Clueless. Wow. <laughs> so uh, he has some rules. That, but even like I got like Fred McGriff, for example. I mean, Fred Griff, mm-hmm. I think, has more of a Hall of Fame case than Harold Baines does because, I mean, here's a guy who, I mean, longevity. You talked about longevity earlier, Keon, and, and you're, you're right with that because, I mean, Fred McGriff hit, home, hit 30 home runs nine straight, nine, nine times. He had at one point a – Six-year run where he hit thirty or more home runs. So I mean, if, and that, and that and that counts for something, especially in the era that he played in, because he started his career in the late part of the '80s, where thirty home runs is kind of like that was kind of the the, the gold standard, if you will. 30, I mean, it was considered a impressive standard at that point. But he never hit the career high. He ever hit was thirty-six in '89 in Toronto. But 
He was a guy who was a consistent producer. I mean, he, he played at least over 150 games, almost except for a short time in Atlanta and San Diego. Or excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, towards the latter part of his career, he did not play over over 150 games or so. But it was a model of consistency. But I mean, Lee Smith. Again, I mean, you're right. The Hall of Fame is so subjective, but it's this. I don't know. This game, the the game thing. Like last year, they got it right with Alan Trammell. Debatable about Jack Morris. It depends on who you ask about that. But still, I, I don't know. If this is the feel-good Hall of Fame, then I'm waiting for I, – I, what is it going to be going by cities then? So so Detroit got their love last year. Now it's going to win Chicago because Smith played with the Cubs. So what's next? Uh, St. Louis is going to get some guys. I mean, are we going to see finally the uh, the Kale or no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, is it Ted Simmons? Or is Ted Simmons? Is Ted get, Simmons, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's Ted Simmons. I'm just – You know. And where where Larusa's comment is misleading, I would say about 100 RBI seasons. Uh, yeah, Baines drove in 100 when he was 23 and when he was 26, but then not again till he was 40. So yeah, he did it when he was young and he did it when he was old. But he had 14 seasons in between 100 RBI years. So for a corner outfielder slash DH, like that's not elite output. Yes. And yeah, and it's just it's one of those weird things where like Tony Lewis has obviously obviously accomplished so much in baseball, but it's just this weird archaic kind of thinking that I think has been kind of proven to be wrong time and time again. And it's like you know, war's not the end all be all. But you look at some of the other names that are around Harold Baines, and it's Paul O'Neill had the same career war as Harold Baines, uh, Juan Gonzalez, the great Juan Gonzalez, same career war. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton already has a higher career war than uh, Harold Baines. Carl Crawford. I don't know. Well, Raphael Furcal. Hall of Famer Raphael Furcal. Jesse Barfield. Like, Jesse Barfield. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this, that's the, that's obviously what sucks about this is Harold Baines was a very good player for a very long time. You don't want to just, you know, getting 40 career wars is outstanding, but that hasn't been the standard forever and suddenly it's just it's a free for all. You're letting in all your crazy wacky buddies and I don't know, Al Avila was on this uh this voters committee. It'd be interesting to see if he voted for him. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. Yeah, it's just maybe the that was uh, was that Dombrowski's first ever draft pick? Um that's a good question. I'm trying to think <laughs> because was, I was looking at it, it, so I was looking at his team the eighty two eighty three team because I was looking at who else was in there that well, of course, Carlton Fisk being the Hall of Famer in there, which makes sense. I mean, Carlton Fisk's career absolutely makes sense in terms of a catching yeah. career. But I'm sure Steve Kemp or uh, or uh, Greg Lewinsky, the great Greg Lewinsky, who was a power slugger at one point, would get some consideration or Ron LaFleur. But all, all kidding aside, I mean, it just it, – it is, I think, it's going to be a feel-good feel good tour. So you're going to see guys like Ted Simmons. I'm trying to think of another one. Maybe – Another thing, yeah. a fringe like '80s player, maybe something along the lines of like perhaps the the, the year the, the the '86 or the '85 Royals get celebrated, for example. And I mean, currently right now, I outside of, yeah, Quiz- <laughs> or um, <laughs> or Harold uh, Harold Mc, uh, Hill McRae we might get some serious. Harold McRae. Yeah, and the only yeah. one I mean, the only one right now on that '85 team is George Brett. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy hit 300, won a batting title in three different decades, which is impressive. You think you know that's impressive, but. Anyway, let's move on and let's go into let's dive into the Tigers' uh, free agent spending, if you will. So the the recap what the Tigers have done so far. 
Tigers signed a one-year deal with Tyson Ross, who was split his time between San Diego and the Cardinals last year. They also have signed uh, re-signed Lewis Coleman, uh, Kate Savak. Whoa, crap! I actually seen his name right. Sweet, and Bobby mm-hmm. Wilson, a former twin, and I believe he was a Tiger for one point, and uh, Cody Eves to minor league deals. The Tigers also signed uh, shortstop Jody Mercer for the Pirates for a one-year deal, uh, five point two million with uh, about two hundred fifty thousand dollars in incentives. And so now the rotation looks like something with Ross, Moore, Zimmerman, Boyd, Fulmer, and Daniel Norris spending some time out there. So uh, right now, and also, I mean, the, in terms of what they're able to sign, there's rumors about them signing Ian Kinsler in the mix, compete for second base. But I'll start with you, Keon, in terms of the Tyler Tyson Ross signing. What did you think of it? Um. You know, this, the whole winter meetings has been a bit of a snooze fest, right? Um, I think a guy like Tyson Ross is the the best of what we could expect out of this for, based on what the plan is. Um, I think there are some people out there who think there is no plan, but there's a plan. You may not like the plan, um, but it's a plan, and the plan is not to – go out and find sexy free agents right now. So I, I expected Matt Moore's and Tyson Ross's to come out of these winter meetings. And I'm neither thrilled nor disappointed in that it's, it's, it's exactly what we expected. We hope that we can eat some innings and potentially flip somebody at a deadline for a 45 grade prospect. Like, like we, I mean, that's, that's the plan for the, for 2019 at least. And my expectation would be that maybe things get a little more serious next year at the winter meetings, but um, this meets expectations, whether you, um, whether you like that or not. I guess th- those are what the expectations should have been heading into this, I think. What about you, Chris? Yeah, you know, I, I, I was trying to think of a proper metaphor for the Tigers, uh, and the only thing I could come up with is they were, they were basically a sinking ship, um, at least that you know that's the sort of narrative they want us to to, to believe, and uh, they're trying to get as much water off the boat as possible. And now they're just signing anybody who's willing to help them paddle back to shore. And their uh, their plan really is to get back to shore. And, and it's it's basically obvious in every move they've made in the last two years or so that they are they are going all in on you know trying to get all their prospects, their top prospects. And they're all basically in double A or above right now, getting all them ready and up at the majors around the same time to give themselves like a six, seven year window, which they can then supplement with free agents, presumably. Um, so, yeah, right now it's just a, it's it's staying afloat moves, moves to fill roster space that, that we didn't, uh, you know, we knew they had to do. They still have one more to get, I think. You know, you mentioned Bobby Wilson. They may, it wouldn't shock me if they end up, he ends up making the 25 man roster. Because they came out today, and I think they said that Grayson Griner is going to be their everyday catcher. Uh, which you know he's not young, but he's also not experienced, so they may want a veteran backup uh, to join them. Um, but they, yeah, they still do need a, a, a catcher. But yeah, there's there's nothing terribly sexy about it. I like the Tyson Ross move. I think that he's got some upside. You know, it's limited, uh, but they should be able to trade him as either a starter or a reliever. He was he was better as a reliever last year in a short stint because he's basically, he's really a, a, almost like a slider 
fastball even. Like he throws like 45% sliders and 45% fastballs. Um, but, you know, with the way pitching pitchers are being used now, you might be able to get away with using a guy like that for six innings or five innings or whatever, two times to the order. And he's, you know, he, he had a couple good years. We're three or four years away, but he's got some upside. And the Jordy Mercer thing, you know, they were going to go after one of the really, there was like five or six of these, you know, all glove, no hit shortstops. And uh, Mercer's kind of in the middle of that. It's like a sort of a glove and maybe some hit. But um, I don't know. The, the only thing there is that, that I, I do wonder if there might have been like a slight, slight swing change. Just looking at his stat cast stuff, there was a little bit more launch angle last year. He's hitting the ball a little bit harder. Probably just uh, one season noise, but. Oh yeah, like like Keenan said, these are, you know, this is about what we expected. Anybody expecting splashy signs or like, you know, hey, let's change the plan and go all in and get Harper and Machado this year? Uh, they're just, you know, that was never going to happen. And so, I don't know. That's a, I guess people should be okay that they're filling the roster. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple things you want to maybe. I, I, Fangraphs had an article that was out. I, it was a couple of days ago about. Tyson Ross, and there's some, there's some. If you want to get some positives, last year, in 26 innings in relief, he only gave up one homer, and his velocity had dropped quite a bit. It was uh, beginning of the season, averaging about 93, and then it, at one point it did peak up a little bit, back up to 95, 96, uh, in terms of his velocity towards. Um, it was inconsistent. So I mean, they talked about his usage of the cutter, which helped increase his ground ball rate. So that. That's a good sign right there in terms of that. But you're right, it's, it is filling roster space at this point. But what what is concerning to me a little bit is that even with the Tigers looking at some of their signings so far in the offseason, you kind of have to wonder what's going to be going on in, in Toledo. Because right now it, it seems like there's – the reason why I'm concerned myself with Toledo a little bit is because – and Chris, you can kind of speak to this too. Being there on Saturday, it looks like you're going to see Perez at double A. Fado is going to probably have another year at Double A. Casey Mize is going to probably what start in Lakeland, you think? Or do you guys think he's going to start in Lakeland? Uh, uh, yeah, he probably will start in Lakeland. Um, you know, we didn't actually discuss that, we, but uh, yeah, the, the the general feel is that all four of these guys are going to be in Erie at some point, probably together this year. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me if Perez starts at Lakeland too, but I would expect Manning and uh, and Fado to start out at least in, in Erie. But yeah, I I think what we'll see in Toledo is just uh, a cadre of veterans, like we've seen in the last couple of years, just a bunch of veteran minor leaguers that they bring in there, and, and if they need an emergency starter, up comes your Ryan Carpenters of the world or whatever. What about you, Keon? I mean, in terms of what, in terms of depth wise, with I mean, of course, with the signing does help too. But what do you see the, what do you see the Mudhead fans uh, looking to celebrate this year? Uh, well, I mean, I guess they can have Burroughs and Funkhauser up there to start the season off, right? Um, I, well, I don't know if they've announced where Burroughs is going to be yet, but, I, you know, I would expect by by midseason, you'll have some some reasonably exciting players to watch up there. we still got Robson, who I expect to be in Toledo. Um, Jake Rogers, I expect to be in Toledo by June-ish. I mean, they've, they've said he's going to start in Erie, but I... I don't expect him to spend the full season in Erie. Um, 
there's like, like Chris said, we've got a lot of guys approaching the upper levels of the minors. I think the I think Toledo's got plenty to be excited about this year. I, I mean, yeah, there's there's still going to be your, uh, you know, we don't have Warwick softball anymore, but guys like that, Paul Velkers of the world. But that's that's really any AAA team, you know. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I think, I mean, there's a good chance they'll get a full season of Daz Cameron uh, or at least, you know, partial season of Daz Cameron and Willie Castro, and they might get Paredes later in the year. I mean, he did hit, what, 320 and, and limited action in AA last year. So I think there will be some, some like Kenny said, there will be some some exciting players in Toledo. I just, I don't feel like this 2019 is the year when we start seeing those guys then graduate to the majors. Other than, it wouldn't shock sure. me if we see Burroughs and Funkhauser, like Kenny was saying. It's they're sort of that first... I guess if you, you count Stewart and Turnbull as the first wave, I guess. Uh, Burroughs and Funkhauser are like the second part of that first wave. Um, but yeah, the, the big one it will be coming, I think, in 2020. Yeah, yeah the, the thing is, is that you, you, the thing I'm concerned with is, too, is that it's that it's that weird border right now where it's like, the do they... They win 61 games. They win 65 games, and it really at this point, I don't think it matters. It just, I don't think it matters at all. But it's just the, the progression of those arms, and especially Burroughs coming back, or excuse me, Funkhouse coming back after a strange injury. He was making progress, and you kind of want to see one the, the progress of Bo Burroughs at some point, whether he gets called up in June or July is a question too. I mean, that's that's something to consider too. But uh, the one thing I will say that I am pretty excited about to see is a full season of good defensive framing catching. I mean, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. with McCann, and, and we haven't had a chance to talk this, McCann is gone. Uh, Chris has not uh, celebrated that. I'm, I'm not sure publicly or privately, but um, <laughs> um, Alex Wilson. And and, and, and I, we're not – I'm not trying to and, – and Al Vila spoke about that today. I don't know if you guys saw Vila's comments about um, McCann or not, but he was talking about leadership. And um, – his quote, and I think I think it sounds like a Chris Brown quote too. Actually, no, I hate to say this, but it's hard just from a personal perspective. You get to know these guys very well, and you, you get to like them. But it's no different than the guys in the past we traded, Alex Avila, Justin Wilson, JD. But our decisions that have to be made, and at the end of the day, you have to move on. We'll continue to make tough decisions in order to turn this thing around. I think I need to read that in Leland's voice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard, you know. But um, yeah, you know, I, I always hesitate to to you know really kill guys because they're obviously very good at what they do. It just you know there's a certain level of expectation and they weren't quite meeting it. Um, but I know yeah, it, it just with both McCann and Wilson, it didn't make sense with where the team is going. The, the with with Wilson especially, just because they have so many of these kind of fringe reliever arms just hanging out there in AAA and on the Tigers roster that they need they need to you know create some space for those guys. There's going to be a bit of a forty man crunch coming up next year, I think. Although there's a lot of dead weight on the forty man, I think. But uh, they they were able to get rid of one one guy in Mike Gerber just uh, you know by not doing anything by putting him on waivers. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. You know, I I was a fan of what Griner did. In his limited exposure next year, I, I assume that it won't be quite as fun this year in a full season. He's kind of got a history of slow starts, at least as I recall. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes to start the year. But, but yeah, like I, I was saying earlier, I think this this is this has a chance. The 2019 Tigers has a chance to be one of the most forgettable rosters 
uh, in the last <laughs> 20 years. Like just just a ton of guys. Like, oh my God, he played for the Tigers. It's gonna be a lot of that, I think. Are we gonna see some Harlem Boca Chica references probably come up at some point? Yeah, I mean, they, I mean we've seen some of that in the last couple of years. Like, yeah. uh, who remembers Alex Presley? Like, you know, th- there's uh, there's been some players like that, but this it's gonna be a lot of guys like that. And uh, I'm gonna play this for. I don't know if you guys can hear this or not in the background, but uh, I'm playing this for Mike Gerber. Play some boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye. Um, oh. <laughs> You could also do Into the Road. Yeah, that's true. I could do that. <laughs> but this is the best. Into the Road. That, that, uh, when my first girlfriend broke up with me, I just listened to that song like two days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure was it uh, – no, let's go into the uh, Water Runs Dry. That's, that's no. it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was definitely Into the Road. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Tough, tough, decisions, tough decisions have to be made, Chris. You weren't meeting expectations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was, it was. I was in eighth grade. She was in ninth grade. Clearly, she was going to find some more interesting men. Yep. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. Gonna, and at that time. Maybe they could take her, they have licenses and people have cars and what have you. I don't know about freshmen, but Mike Gerber. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It was weird. I was thirteen. She was fifteen. And we were from different worlds. But nice way of it, dude. But by the way, nice job though. Thirteen and fifteen. Dude, nice job. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, it's one of those neighborhood romances. <laughs> when she left the block, she wasn't the same. But um, Mike Gerber joins the long line of Tiger outfielders who have now jumped to San Francisco, joining Gorky Hernandez and Andre Torres. Uh, and there's, I think there's another one, too, if I, if I think about it. Was there another one, Chris? Well, I remember uh, Arby Huff you oh, know, yeah. sucked for the Tigers and then went and had like a monster half a year for the Giants or a full yeah. year. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, that was... Was a it, it that seemed to shock a lot of people on Tiger's Twitter, um, and I think you know I'm probably as guilty of anybody as anybody of, of trying to build up Mike Gerber into something more than he was. But you, I mean, he put up like a 35% strikeout rate in AAA and was even worse in the majors, and it just didn't look good. Now maybe uh, maybe he'll figure that out and, and you know have a solid career, but. It didn't seem like a huge loss for the Tigers, other than he's, you know, he's a good guy. Yeah, there's certain people. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I think he he battled a couple injuries too, and I just don't think he ever got into a good rhythm at the plate. I think he's better than what he showed this past season, but we we've got we've got a lengthy list of people who kind of meet the who have the attributes that he has in our system. So I'm not, I'm not devastated about it. It's a good opportunity for him because the giants don't yeah. have a single outfielder. So he, uh, he's got a good opportunity to go over there and show what he can do. So I hope he does well. Yeah. And wishing him the best. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. the giants lack. The, the, what's amazing is the last, I think it's like the last three seasons or so. I don't know who the giants outfield has been, but it seems like it's just, a list of four A players. I mean, outside of uh, Hunter, um, Pence. yeah, Hunter Spence. I I, just, I can't think of a Giants outfield. Did you say Hunter S. Pence? Yeah, I did say Hunter S. Pence. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think I saw I saw somebody say that Gerber is now the oldest outfielder on the Giants. On their forty man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking at the names. They had Austin Jackson for a bit. Stephen Duggar. McCutcheon. And McCutcheon. McCutcheon. Yeah, he's gone. Chris Shaw was one of their prospects. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, there's gonna be plenty of playing time out there, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully he can he gets a long leash and, and really, you know, you know, it does well for himself. I mean, it's it's so bad that Slater is slated in center field and right field, <laughs> <laughs> so he's all over the place. No, but, you know, 
Austin Slater. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a. It's a heck of an outfield to play defense in, but. I, don't know, I mean, that was one of the things that that I think Gerber's defense was better than I always expected it to be. You know, he was a center fielder in college, but I, I assumed that he was just going to be right field only in the pros, and and he did well playing center field for Erie, and and showed. I think he showed a little bit for the Tigers too, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also uh, we also waved goodbye to Bruce Fields, who's been with the team for over thirty years, and that was kind of a weird set of circumstances because the Tigers kind of kept that hush-hush, but uh, hitting instructor, he was a hitting instructor, roving hitting instructor for the Tigers uh, recently, and uh, his son, of course, played for the Tigers in the, in the system, but uh, that was that was an interesting way they handled that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he, told, he was told in September, uh, but the Tigers never really said anything. Yeah, which is kind of what reminds me of the Gerald Laird situation. And who do they bring in? Uh, somebody, Branson? Branson? Yeah, Pittsburgh's guy. Pittsburgh's hitting coach Pittsburgh. for the past five seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's a roving hitting instructor, right? So it's not like uh, he's the one who travels around in the minor leaguers and you know tries to keep the message the same throughout the, the system. I don't know. I, I never really understand uh, a job like that, like how they quantify it in any way. So maybe it was just uh, time to move on. Yeah. I, I mean... You've been in the organization that long and, and what have you. So, it, it, I mean, it's it was just interesting the way it was handled. Um, it's kind of kind of quiet, quiet there. But either way, yeah. I know I know um, it's, I know Lynn Henning was a little upset about it. And so that, that was the other part of that. Uh, and the other Tiger news too. Uh, I know Pema did like a tweet today, thanking Tiger fans and kind of um, just. Just really just putting a kind of tweet out there, just really kind of a PR piece. But uh, they still—I'm surprised they still haven't made an announcement about that either yet. It's now going in December um, about who the broadcasting team was going to be. But uh, also, I wanted you guys—I mean, I know Keon had some thoughts about this too about the Tigers. Some Tigers fans were requesting me perhaps take a look at Troy Tuovisky, but seems like a guy um, can't stay healthy. But I don't. Is this somebody you give like a, a guy that kicked around the tires with, or is he, his best days behind him? Well, his, his best days are definitely behind him. Uh, I, I, you know, I tweeted, I just joked it like, "Hey, maybe they can get him for forty games." It, it's he was always one of those guys who was really damn good when he was healthy, but he was never healthy, and like he didn't play at all last year, right? Barely. I don't. I think they, they maybe put they played for. I thought he played maybe. No, I don't. I can't remember if he played last year at all. I don't remember him playing, but nope. uh, no, no stats for 2018. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's fun. It's it's just a classic sort of like that's the sort of thing that that they might have done if Michaelich were still around. You know, he loved those names, um, and fans like the names too. But yeah, I mean, it's a uh, see 2017, 66 games. 2016, he was okay. Uh, 2017, 66 games. Last year, none. So. Talking about missing two hundred and something games in two seasons, it's it's. I mean, you wouldn't be paying him much, but he has a place in yeah. July. He has a place in July twenty eighth of twenty seventeen. Was the last yeah, time he so, played. I don't know. He, he'll probably end up on some team where he can be like a bench bat, like DH, second base, third base sort of thing, where he doesn't have to get on you know get on his feet much, but. Yeah, it is always kind of interesting when when a big name like that gets uh, 
gets cut with two years left on his guaranteed deal, you do wonder if we might see something like that for Miguel Cabrera in a couple of years. It seems to be that way. It, it, to eat up that kind of money, absolutely. If they're going to either eat it up or find a taker for it. But uh, speaking of money real quick, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but uh, Craig Campbell is reportedly asking for somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, six years at $100 million. And uh, I, uh, I laughed quite a bit about that. But uh, in terms of his what happened towards the last part of the, the t- last part of the postseason, I don't know if any reliever the the, six, six, the last guy who sought that kind of money and got it was Chapman for five years eighty six million. But uh, come on, guys, Craig Kimball, what am I missing here? Well, you know, I mean, see, one of the, he's kind of operating under the, the what we talked about a lot last year. The idea that, that what you've done should result in a giant paycheck for you, which is not the way that major league teams seem to be working anymore. They, they seem much more concerned about what you're going to do for them. And, yeah, there were a lot of concerning trends with Kimbrell last year. His strikeouts were down. His walks were way up. Um, he's still, you know, one of the better relievers in the game. And, and like I said, his stats, he, uh, one of the best relievers ever so far through his career. But, I mean, those kind of numbers are absurd. He's not going to get that. I don't know, Keon. I mean, in terms of even like in terms of free agents out there, we look at a, a smart sign by Tampa with Charlie Morton getting signed by the Rays, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But uh, Lance Lynn getting ten ten million years, three years with the Rangers, which I that one kind of also kind of scratched my head a little bit. Uh, I do like the national signing of um, I'm uh, Patrick Corbin, which I thought that that kind of came out of nowhere. It strengthens up the rotation, but yeah, what signings have you liked so far outside of the Tigers that you've kind of uh, given a, your a, applause to? Oh gosh, um, I don't know. I, I, the the Lance Lynn one was kind of funny because I saw a tweet about that from a, a Rangers fan. It just it basically said Rangers Rangers management hates Rangers fans based on based on the signing was the implication. So I got kind of a good chuckle out of that. I mean. Um, and and just kind of back to what Chris was talking about a little bit with Tulo. Like I admit, like I perked up a little bit when I saw that come out that he was he was released and was going to be available for next to nothing. But not. And, and and I understand the frustration of of Tigers fans just kind of wanting, understanding that we do have money. If we wanted to spend money, we could spend money. But why spend it now, right? Um, even if Tulo Tulo. Let's forget about Tulo. How about DJ LeMahieu, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we go get him for two and eighteen, three and twenty-seven, something like that, and we have a slightly better baseball team in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Okay, what, what did we really accomplish with that? If 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 you if you really believe that in two years Isaac Paredes or and or uh, Cody Clemens is your second baseman. Why are you going to go drop 18 million or 27 million on a DJ LeMahieu? Um, so, you know, I guess it, it, I got away from your question a little bit, but the winter meetings, man, what a bore. Um, you know, I, I went to one, one winter meetings, it was 2000 and, um, in Dallas and, uh, it's kind of a famous one because up until that point, no one had ever made $20 million a year. And then Manny Ramirez got a $20 million a year contract and A-Rod got his $252 million that year. I just got to remember when the baseball winter meetings were like, 
you better be glued to the news because big names are going to be dropping like every five minutes. So if you're kind of sitting around hitting refresh on your computer looking for news the past three days, you're probably really disappointed. I know I am. I mean, it's a yawner. No, I, I was going to say, I, I agree with you on that. I've been having I've had MLB trade rumors, uh, the alerts light up, and I'm at work, and I'm working. I, I tend to zone out at work, and I was looking at my phone waiting for something, and the phone was kind of quiet, which I, I do that every year. I mean, uh, the, the only thing that really kind of made me, uh, in terms of, like, the tape was the Tanner Rourke raid to the Tanner Rourke trade to the Reds, uh, which was kind of mm-hmm. a uh, that was a good one. But other, I mean, other than that, I mean, the Angel signing Justin Bohr, Yawn Fest, you're absolutely right. Again, this is well, this is when you were in Rancho Cucamonda, right? Is that what around the time you were there? Uh, well, I was I was about to graduate college, so oh. yeah, I went down for the uh, for the for the job fair down there and ended up landing an internship with the Lakewood Blue Claws in the in the South Atlantic League, their Phillies affiliate. And then I went to Rancho Cucamonga the following year. Okay, so around that same time. Okay, but um, but in terms of me, like, I mean, I guess the biggest news before the winter meetings was, and I thought the Cardinals made a really good deal with this, was trading for Paul Goldschmidt. They gave up uh, Luke Weaver, uh, Carson Kelly, and a minor league infielder, Andy Young, and also a draft pick, which you don't see very often in trades, it seems like. But uh, good move by the Cardinals. And in terms of also with the Dimebacks, um, to lose a franchise icon like this is kind of hard. But, Chris, in terms of what the Cardinals gave up, the Cardinals have, I mean, Weaver, yeah, a four-fifth starter. I'm not sure if he's going to be a top-of-line starter, but that's a pretty good re- return considering that, yeah, Colesmith might still go to free agency, but the Cardinals tend to secure guys long-term. Yeah, they, um, you know, I, I thought it was – it made sense for both sides. It, it felt uh, a little underwhelming for the Diamondbacks because of, like you said, that's their franchise guy. You know, he's probably the. I can't think of anybody else who would be considered the better player in Diamondbacks history. Um, and and you know, you're getting two kind of potentially average major leaguers and a third kind of wild card. I think he was like a 37th round pick by the Cardinals, who had a solid year, um, and the draft pick. Yeah, it, it just doesn't. It sort of it's, it was vaguely reminiscent of the JD Martinez deal, where it's like, oh, you get three players instead of anything good. But like you said, the, the <laughs> Weaver Weaver had a decent uh, 2017. It was a small sample, and then you know teams just seemed to figure him out last year. Now, if you think that 2017 was real, then you you got yourself maybe a potential mid rotation starter. And uh, and and and. Kelly was a guy that was talked about as a replacement for Yadier Molina forever, and he just never developed any sort of offensive skills. He's a, he's a solid defender, and we know that the I mean the Diamondbacks have been searching for catchers for a couple of years now, so it it, may, it fits some needs for them. It, it, these all guys who are at Double A or higher, you know, a uh, couple guys who are major league experienced. So it's sort of a, reminiscent of the, uh, the the trades the Mariners have been making, where they're getting these guys who are in the upper minors. So it's not like this complete teardown and rebuild. It's kind of like a retool where in, in a year or two they think they can compete again. But, um, yeah, I mean, it makes it makes the Cardinals really interesting. That's for sure. I mean, Goldschmidt, uh, yeah, he's been a damn good hitter for a long time. Yeah, you put him in with Osuna, Carpenter, and uh, Harrison Bader, who came out pretty strong last year. That's a pretty potent lineup. What about you, Keon? What did what'd you, you think about that trade? Uh, Goldschmidt? Yeah, Goldschmidt trade. Uh, I have 
No thoughts. <laughs> honestly, oh, that's honestly, I, I'm. I got to be honest. I, I'm. I'm pretty far removed from the National League in particular, and and yeah, I have no thoughts on that. No, it's perfectly fine. I mean, it, it caught me in a period of time in the last few weeks where I've been doing nothing but hockey broadcasts for the last few weeks. So I'm finally getting back into baseball and the swing of things a little bit. So I found myself uh, catching up a little bit, but. uh I don't know what I what I saw. It kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit for in terms of what the Cardinals were trying to do and retool themselves a little bit. But you know, I thought it was a steal for what they were getting back in return. But either way, I mean, in, in right now too, the reason why I was kind of looking around the league a little more too is because the Tigers haven't. I don't expect the Tigers to make any sign. They're sticking to the plan. They're not going to spend a lot of money. And what was that? What man? Was that? <laughs> it's like a spaceship. I don't know. Can any of you playing uh, Gran Turismo or something? <laughs> I I didn't hear anything. It just went silent oh. over here. Yeah, Weird. yeah, yeah. I'll have to play. It, but, uh, it was something. It went like I said. I mean, with the, with the, with the Tigers being kind of what they are right now, it's kind of interesting to look t- t- look around the league a little bit. But uh, the only other thing that I wanted to bench you guys to you as well. We talked about quite a bit this evening, but winter league's being like a snooze fest. Do you guys have any um, un? <laughs> Irresponsible speculation on something that's going to happen today, or in terms of what's I mean, with the winter, or in terms of like just a a bold move or a signing to get out of here, uh, or before the winter meetings end. So you look at Scott Boris, who's talking about a Harper deal could happen any time. Uh, do you guys have any any big moves or any irresponsible speculation uh, that something could happen? By the way, Scott Boris kind of looks like uh, Liam Nielsen, some less or less or. Um, Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson sometimes. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's like Keenan was saying, it's, I expected there was so much smoke around like a Real Muto and then Sendergaard that there was going to be some sort of trade and then it's, nothing has, uh, nothing has materialized. It does feel like maybe one of those things where we just get like a tweet bomb where nobody, nobody has mentioned anything and all of a sudden like, hey, Real Muto's getting traded to the, the Braves or something like that. But, I don't know. It, it does. Seem, it seems like you know we get to roll five tomorrow. I think it seems like GMs are packing up their stuff and leaving. They don't. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to speculate. Yeah, the the Real Muto thing is kind of funny because it, you know it says they're asking for Ozzy Albies from Atlanta or Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers in exchange for him, and it, I think both teams basically said go to hell on that, right? Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't know that anything that blockbuster is going to happen. I think we'll just walk out of here tomorrow. I don't think Nick's going to get dealt. Doesn't seem like we're close to anything on that um, right now. I mean, he, you know, he, he may still get dealt, but just not not by the time the meetings end. Um, which, uh, if, you know, for for the sake of what we have to watch in 2019, I. I want to. I, I would love to see them put together a good deal for Nick, but when I take a look at what that lineup would be without him this year, mm-hmm. it's a long, long summer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially because I, you know, I, if we get 400 plate appearances out of Miguel, you know, I'm kind of on record saying, I, yeah, I, I think Miguel's kind of done. I don't think we'll ever see a full year out of him, whether we DH him full time or not. And uh, if you if you take Nick out of there, there's just there's just no firepower in that lineup. Nobody around Miguel. 
even when he is in the lineup. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts on that are, Chris. <laughs> With no, I mean that's the thing. I, I I view the season as lost beyond comprehension. Anyway, like it, it's you're going to hope that you get to see something nice from Candelario and Kristen Stewart, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, I, I don't. I'm, I'm generally very cynical about uh, players ever being good. So, like, I'm worried that Castellanos goes out there and, you know, last year he had a really good season, but it was kind of propped up by some batted ball luck, at least more than in the past. I'm worried that he doesn't perform and then they get absolutely nothing for him at the deadline. But uh, that's the same reason I was, like, quietly trying to push for a Michael Fulmer trade, even though I know his values at its lowest right now, just because I'm always worried that his shoulder's just going to explode one day. Um, But, yeah, I... I, I, uh, I get what you're saying, though. I mean, Castellanos is a fun hitter to watch, and, and there's just not going to be a whole lot of excitement with this team next year, but I'm kind of <laughs> beyond that point. I'm just like, they're going to suck no matter what, but might as well just lean into it. Just uh, yeah, you know, get, some, get some ball boys out there batting. And... I'm very, very concerned about the Fulmer situation. <laughs> yeah, wasn't there, there was a story he's... that came out that his I knee was worse than expected? Yeah, I, I think that I think there's a problem there, yeah. and uh, I hope I hope they slow play it like and they're trying to you know he'll be ready for opening day this that and the other but I mean let's take it easy with that. Well, <laughs> yeah, it feels like the sort of thing where we find out like with like ten days left in spring training like oh he's probably not ready till June. Mm-hmm. So well yeah well here here's what I here's what I'm thinking I so I th- I thought about that potential question and I thought about the two teams that the the Tigers were mentioned about with potential trademark for Nick Castellanos so I thought about it I'm like okay so what I'm gonna do is I was gonna take Nick Castellanos for three prospects and I'm gonna look at I was starting with the Dodgers so my if if the, if the Tigers decided to trade to the Dodgers who would they trade for so I'm looking at kind of some level a some high B prospects maybe some C prospects and who the Tigers or the Dodgers would willing to give up. And the Dodgers don't will, willing to give up any prospects. But somebody along the lines of who the Tigers asked for. Okay, so. DJ you know, Peters. <laughs> maybe a guy like Will Smith, who um, last year hit 264 with 19 home runs, uh, 36 walks. Uh, catcher. Yeah, he's a catcher who plays who, who plays third base. Um, so give, gives the Tigers a little depth at catching. So it's like somebody they can get in there, somebody who you can throw in there potentially. So it's like, okay. So then the question is, who's the outfield piece be? So somebody, yeah. So D, yeah, you said DJ Peters, which actually was just, <laughs> I was going to say, but I mean, he's also, he hits that Tiger, has that weird, you know, like, uh, makeup of, uh, he's six, six, first of all, which is, yeah, he's uh, like a, like a 35% strikeout, yeah. 8% walk. Which you know, I hit 30 motif. home run type of guy. Yeah, which hurts the Tigers' motif to no end. Um, all jokes aside, but in terms of what they've perhaps built before, but somebody like if we're, if we're being wishful thinking here in terms of an outfielder, they could. I mean, would I love them to fix uh, Alex Verdugo on there? Absolutely, but that's not going to happen. So that in mind, I was thinking about an outfielder around the same line. So perhaps a shortstop in Ronnie Brito, who is 19 years old. Um, who's kind of a long ways away, but maybe a, t- a tiger who they could build uh, build off of. Maybe he could be that kind of like chip they just throw in there. 
but somebody that's close to being major league ready or somebody that can come in. Uh, Miguel Vargas, who's the third uh, third baseman, another guy who he's not ready, but really young, raw talent. We we saw him play. We yeah, saw we him at one of the games we went to, and he he looked like he'd never seen a fastball in his life. Yeah, he, he did look. <laughs> but he had good numbers in the rookie league, I think. Uh, um, I mean, he was yeah. He he had a lot of strikeouts, but um, but still, he had a lot of rust to walk off because of the deflection or the whole you know deflecting process but maybe uh, even a guy like for example if the Tigers can get somebody like Dennis Santana uh, somebody who can help him you know he was I mean at one point he was I think it was in the league last year a little bit but uh, or Dustin May again wishful thinking of course but in terms of outfielders that they could bring in somebody like uh, Parker Curry would be another one that I like or Devin Mann um, and they ha- I mean the Dodgers have some guys that are really kind of on the outfield list that would be there. So, what about the what about the Braves, um, Chris? I know you talked about the, some of the Braves that the Tiger, Tigers were targeting before with Nick Castellanos. Was there any Braves prospects you had in mind for potentially Nick Castellanos? Well, you know, people keep bringing up uh, Drew Waters, switch hitting uh, outfielder who had a really good season last year. I just one of the big problems now is is that teams are just valuing their prospects much more than they used to. Used to be like, yeah, sure. What the hell? We'll give you these two prospects for one year of your corner bat. Um, and like, I don't know what the Braves would trade this 19-year-old in in high A straight up for Nick Castellanos anymore, which seems ridiculous a couple of years ago. But yeah, Waters is nice, and, and the Braves really have a ton of pitching, which they might not be a great fit for the uh, for the the Tigers. They do have another catcher. They have Wilson Contreras' little brother. I don't know if it's William Contreras, something like that. Um, and then the guy I was mentioning was Grayson Janista, who was teammates with Alec Bohm at uh, at Wichita State last year. He's, he's kind of a weird, like, like he's like 6'4", 240, and yet he was playing some center field in the, the, the Cape Cod League. He's, he's like a first baseman right fielder in pro ball, but like he's like fat athlete sort of guy. Um and he's a left-handed hitter, so he could be – you go and you trade for him, and he might be your right fielder of the future, maybe. He'd uh, give you a, a shot. It seems like that would be a reasonable get to me, but I don't think that would be reasonable for the Tigers or for most Tigers fans. They want something more than that, and I just I think that's why we haven't seen him move. Uh, I think the value they place on Castellanos is, is not congruent with what the rest of the league put, puts on him. Yeah, I mean, if like if you look at the Houston, for example, if they're going to Houston, was another team mentioned. I mean, I love to get Jordan Alvarez, and that guy's just, yeah, that, you know, yeah. But, but that, you know, I don't think that's happening. No, no, exactly. Or another guy who I think if if they're going to in, in Philly, Philly's an interesting team in a sense because they're targeting Bryce Harper. So let's say they go fall back with Plan B and decide to go with maybe trade for Nick Castellanos. I wouldn't mind having a guy like Sixto Sanchez in your rotation either. I mean, that guy's been... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's like a... I mean, he's a he had a, a a rough year in terms of injuries. He feels like he's kind of like a big injury waiting to happen at this point. Yeah. But when he's healthy, I mean, that's like a top 10 pitching prospect in baseball. So if you're if you're getting... If the Phillies are giving, him, giving you him for uh, for Castellanos, then I'd be skeptical of Sixto Sanchez. Yeah, no, I'm giving, of course, that's wishful thinking. But, uh, yeah, in terms of even, like, trade trading for guys, would you have anybody in mind that if the Tigers do decide to trade Nick Castellanos, is there, realistically speaking or unrealistically speaking, who's out there that 
would fit the Tigers' uh, profile. Oh, is that for me? Yep. Uh, uh, well, uh, listen, I, I think I think Nick's greatest value is clearly going to be at the trade deadline to an American League team who's trying to win the World Series on a rental basis. I don't, you know, I don't. If you're if you're a National League team and you've got to find a spot for Nick to play in the field all year, well, like we're not giving up your premium prospects. But if if you're a team in the thick of a pennant chase in July and you got a shot to win a World Series and you need a right-handed bat, all right, now 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 we're dealing. So, and in terms of in terms of who I think would be a good fit, um. You know, I think we're stacked with pitching right now, but I don't think you can ever have too much pitching. Like we can, we can always. These guys are currency, right? So, I, I don't think we need to get position specific. Um, you you find the highest value, and then let's let you know, let's roll. I don't know, Chris. What do you think? No, I think that's a good point. In that, it feels sort of like Castellanos might it might get dealt for. A team that, that's competing that, uh, in 2019 that has a couple prospects in their system who take a step forward next year. So guys who aren't really on the radar right now, and suddenly they have a couple guys take a step forward, but they're ready to compete now. And these guys might be a little bit farther away. And they go, "What the hell? Yeah, we'll, we'll give you, you know, because they don't know if these guys are for real or if it's uh, just you know one year thing." So I think that makes sense that that he might actually get you more at the deadline. Might probably, strangely enough, might might get you more than JD Martinez, although. I wouldn't blame the Tigers if after that debacle that they feel a little gun shy about waiting till the deadline. But I, I think you're right. I, I think the market for uh, National League teams is probably not going to be there I, unless, you know, unless any uh, slash all of the publicly available defensive metrics are wrong. And the Castellanos <laughs> isn't the worst defensive right fielder in baseball. Um, you know, it, and it's possible. And the teams obviously have better stuff than, than that's available to the public. But, I mean, I think that's the biggest knock of Gastianos. If he were just a bad defender, he'd be like a four-win player. If he were a good defender, he'd be like five or six-win player. It's 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 such a bummer. Well, there there might be one worse defender in the league this year, and sadly, he might be our other corner outfielder. Yes, yes, that is going to be something to see. Yeah, it's just when we, the time we saw him in Toledo, Chris. I mean, I'm so, I'll never I'll never forget that as long as I live that ball thrown in from left field. That was one of the, like, that's just something that I haven't seen since high school, quite frankly. It was just, it was it, really it, it, it bounced before the infield dirt, I yeah. believe. Yeah, it was. You know, that was strange to see. But, uh, you know, it, my brother and I were talking about this, and it was a it was a trade that that I originally, him and I were talking about as just between the two of us, and I kind of wanted to bring it up to you guys, and it was something that the Brewers were seeking pitching. And I'm gonna, I'll throw this out to you guys. You can tell me I'm an idiot or not. But right now, the Tigers currently do not have a second baseman. I mean, technically speaking, in the technical standpoint, Brewers are seeking pitching. So if the Tigers decide to sell high on someone like Matt Matt Boyd, who sold under club control for a while, for somebody, let's say, hypothetically speaking, oh, I don't know, uh, Keston uh, Hira, who is the one of Milwaukee's top prospects at second base, um, who hit 293 last year, uh, Plus bat speed, solid defensively, for Matt Boyd. Would you pull the trigger for something like that, or am I crazy? 
I wouldn't a second. I don't think the Brewers would consider it. I think didn't they trade who they had playing, or they got rid of Scope, right? Yeah, Scope. So Scope still. I think Scope signed for one year or something. I can't remember where he signed. But he um, he was on the Brewers, and they just got rid of him. I think they basically. I mean, they they had a kind of a jumbled infield as it was. But I think they're counting on Hero to be a key part of their lineup this year. Um, if that was an option, I would take it in a second. I would. I mean, he he was. Probably the best hitter in the draft a couple of years ago, and uh, he's done nothing but really hit in the minors and in the AFL and stuff. So, yeah, that would be great, yeah. but uh, I don't see the Brewers going for it, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Chris on that. I think Boyd Boyd's value is at an all time high. It's never it's never going to be higher than it is right now. He he's coming off a pretty solid year. May end up being the best year of his career before it's all said and done, depending how you feel about Matt Boyd and his makeup. And he's got years of team control left. So if we can get a prospect like that, that's that's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't quite get why we don't hear about them shopping him more. I mean, the only I, there was a rumor today about the A's looking into Blaine Hardy, which was kind of interesting. It's a classic sort of A's move where the, the, the terrible Tigers have this guy. And they're like, ah, you know, we don't really want him. And the A's are like, oh, he was pretty good for you last year. We'll take him for four years or whatever for nothing. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I understand they've got to have guys to pitch this year, and that's the thing is it, is with those years of team control, are they thinking that Boyd is still going to be part of the team when they're competing again? That's that's like apparently what they're thinking, but or maybe there just isn't a market out there like we think. But yeah, I mean that's a solid number four starter, a lefty. Uh, you would think there'd be some 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 uh, options out there. I just haven't heard anything. Maybe, hell, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe uh, Hira would be something you could get, but it uh, seems unlikely to me, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I threw it out there was, was something like kind of a, the irresponsible speculation stuff we, we joke about all the time, but also just kind of out-of-the-box thinking in terms of, and yeah, you, you're absolutely right. This is the highest value is for Matt Boyd, and I've been I've been a b- big Matt Boyd fan since he came over to Toronto, and it's also because I have a, I have a soft spot for lefties, but all jokes aside, it's a trade to me that would kind of be that would fill a lot of void. It would fill a lot of needs, but at the same time, it, it, it's you're right. It, it, he's probably going to be on a Brewers roster for a while. But in terms of like just how pitching starved it is, I mean, the Yankees are going to re-sign Jay uh, Jay Happ. I mean, is that signing that with the Syndergaard? Is that because Syndergaard didn't fell through? Who knows? But. I don't. You, you're right. There, it returns because what Keon's the the theme should be the winter more winter meetings have been boring. I mean, paint drying been more interesting than the winter meetings. But still, you know. I mean, there was even stuff that it, was it yesterday. It felt like a Corey Kluber deal was imminent. They were talking about you know Kluber to the Dodgers for um, either Will Smith or Cabert Ruiz, one of their catchers, and like Alex Verdugo and maybe some more. It was like, all right, this is gonna happen, and then just nothing. It's like I don't know. It's weird. It's uh, I, yeah. And it's, even the, it's, even the Trevor Bauer mo- rumors have died down. Yeah, well, that was the the, the, the Indians basically came out and said well, they're going to trade one of Kluber or Bauer, and uh, so it seemed like like it seemed like there were teams that were motivated to sell. There were there there were going to be some deals, and then nothing has happened. So I don't know what everybody just got uh, busy gambling, or what the hell's going on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been very anticlimactic. And and last year went down as the most boring winter meetings of all time. And when you look at what happened last year, 
I think it far exceeds what we've seen so far this year. So this is the this is the worst winter meetings of all time. If you're, you know, if you're a hot stove aficionado. Well, yeah. let's wait till that Rule Five draft. Yeah. <laughs> really see who's the most exciting players. Let's end a podcast on the Rule Five. The Rule Draft Five is tomorrow morning. I believe at 9 a.m. I think it is, right, Chris? Uh, maybe 9 a.m. Vegas time. I don't so know. Noon here. Either way. Yeah, I would think. It's, it's at some point tomorrow. The Tigers have the fourth pick. Uh, did they move up a pick? I thought they had the fifth pick. Uh, well, so I've seen they they have the fifth pick in the draft, but I I thought I saw that one of the teams, I think the Padres, have a full roster. One of the teams picking ahead of them, but I'm also seeing now that it looks like the Padres are at or the Padres are behind them. Uh, maybe one of the other teams I thought was at a full roster, but right now it looks like the the four four teams ahead of them are going to pick. But they're either picking fourth or fifth. Doesn't really yeah matter that much. <laughs> no. <laughs> so do you do you guys have any predictions at all for if they're going to pick anybody tomorrow? Well, I I think they're definitely going to pick somebody. Um, you know, I mentioned the catcher thing earlier. It's it's really rare for a team to try to take a catcher in the Rule Five and then keep them all year. Uh, and it seems like something that they wouldn't do. Like they're going to have to get another catcher, I think, at some point. But uh, and there actually were a couple of interesting catchers available, including a guy who hit uh, guy for the Phillies who hit 20 plus home runs in Double A last year. Although it's you know the Phillies Double A park is like the size of my living room, but uh, <laughs> and I don't live in a mansion or anything like that. Um, but yeah, you know it, it, the. I don't know. It, it's tough to know who's going to go first overall. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We're like, oh, Richie Martin's there and Riley Farrell and some of these other guys. And it, it seems like ordinarily what the Tigers would go for is like a hard-throwing lefty reliever or something like that. But then they went and got Jose Fernandez. So, I, yeah, I, I'm really kind of stumped as to what they might do. I, I, In general, what I favor doing in the Rule 5 is just going for broke and taking somebody who's clearly not ready for the majors at all but has a lot of tools. Um, but I don't think I can name anybody. I'd have to do some more research. So the last time uh, catcher was taken, actually first overall, was Oscar Hernandez, and that was happened in 20, so the, 2014. Was that who took him? The Diamondbacks. The did. Diamondbacks. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's a risky one. At the same time, like you know, backup catcher is going to be a guy who's going to play not that much just as it is so i don't know i don't see him doing that but if they do i guess i won't be super shocked what was that there was i gotta I find the names of these catchers at least so i can put it out there it was uh, one of them was like Pereira for the cubs who was in high a and the other one was in double a yeah johnny Pereira for the cubs and then Davy Grulon or Gruyon, I assume it's Gruyon for the Phillies, but I don't. It, it would seem kind of irresponsible for them to try to fill their hole at catcher with a Rule Five pick. Yeah, I, I love to see. I love the. I love for the Tigers to, of course. I mean, I'm reading, rooting hard for the A's uh, shortstop prospect Richie. Um, Richie Martin. Yeah, Richie Martin, but of course, they've been getting a lot of flack from Martin. Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin, but uh, <laughs> that's why I, I, I said, "Live in La Vida Woba." <laughs> I 
I've been getting a lot of flack from Mark about that, saying he's just a poor man's uh, Dixon Machado, and I, I disagree with him. Yeah, that. I mean, he's a glove for a shortstop who didn't hit until last year. Um, and the weird thing about the Tigers right now is they kind of have a glut of shortstops there in the double-A, triple-A level. And after signing Mercer, although I don't think the Mercer deal has been finalized, but it seems like they're not really in the market for a, a shortstop. But and we may see the Tigers just take somebody and trade them, which would be fine with me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A reliever, maybe a, I mean, the starter from Houston's out there too, but I'm not sure if he's going to be on the board at that point too. Um We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, for pitching wise, Keon, do you have any any thoughts about this, or are you kind of same thing, kind of like eh? Well, I mean, I I think they probably have their their eyes on single person. They've they've identified one one guy that they want, and if they get it, if he's available, they'll take him, and if not, they may just pass on it altogether. I, I don't. I, I, Al's been a little cryptic about it this week, I guess. Um, um, but what, you know, when I was looking at the catchers they have available, there's Dom Nunez from Colorado and, and, and Ali Sanchez from the Mets. Um, neither can hit <laughs> at all. We, we've got those. So, yeah. um, you know, there's the, the big kid from the Red Sox, first baseman, left-handed bat. Josh Okimi. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. I, but it's just hard. It's just hard to take a – I mean, you saw how painful it was with Victor Reyes this past year to, to take a Rule 5 guy, a kid who clearly isn't ready for the major leagues or else he'd be protected and leave him under 25 man all year. So, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, and it feels like a, a year to grab a pitcher to me, but uh, I don't know. Exactly. It's uh, we'll find out tomorrow. We'll go. Who the hell is this? Then we have to look into him and go. All right. Then he'll pitch or play in spring training. We'll go. I don't know. And then it'll either happen or it won't. Well, here. I, well, I mean, it, you, yeah. I mean, maybe that's part of of letting Alex Wilson walk too. You know, maybe they've got their eye on somebody we want to plug plug some young kid in here. Let's just see what he can do and low leverage relief roles for a year. Um, but, I mean, I'll, again, when we look at the – we talk about the six guys vying for our rotation positions, and that doesn't even factor in Turnbull, Baez, um, Funkhauser, um, Houston, like some of these other guys we already have in our system who are ready to potentially get a look in – in relief roles with the big club, so I don't know. It's just hard to find room. Well, I mean, I I have three guys in mind. I think I, I have three guys who I think the Tigers should take a look at, and I actually did a little research on this a little earlier. Uh, and this is part of uh, this is actually some of these names are new, and I did we did talk about this rule five about a month ago, but a couple names I wanted to throw out there uh, in terms of in terms of who the Tigers could target. That the Tigers are kind of lacking anyway. So uh, there is Rob Kamansky, the left-handed pitcher in Cleveland, uh, who is on available, who they could pick up. Um, not too. I mean, slow, he's got a low arm slot, which the Tigers love. That's been a new hotness for him. Um, he held lefties to a 188, 250, 271 line in Akron last year. So 
Not too bad. Um, also, going back to the Brewers, uh, Jake Gatewood, who is mm-hmm. a first baseman, third baseman, who can play any corner outfield, which the Tigers do lack at, at, the, at right now. Um, and also, it's weird. He's got an interesting clause here, too. Um, he's hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. So he began the year in the table list. And so he could still be fulfill Rule 5 requirements by being the active roster for 90 days only. So Tigers can actually storm away, and he's got some power to him. Um, and also, in terms of – actually, I have four. I lied. There's another one, too. Uh, Keon, Keon Wong, second baseman for the Rays, who has done pretty well. Yeah. Um, he – I mean, his arm is not that good, but he's a guy who can hit, and I think at his position – can feel his position decently – and the last one really is uh, Harriel Barris, who is a relief pitcher who has touched 100, sits at 95, 98. Uh, but, I mean, high A last year, 12, 12 and a half strikeouts per nine. So that stands out. Yeah, well, the interesting thing about Harriel Barris is he was, I think he was signed as an outfielder. I think he's a conversion guy. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, He, he was a big, big money guy from the... Uh... From the the Rangers, I believe. Um, yeah, there's some interesting names. Kaminsky at one point. I don't know if he was a top 100 prospect, but at one point he was traded straight up for Brandon Moss. Uh, I remember him being, you know, something of a prospect. Um, yeah, those are all interesting names. I mean, Gatewood intrigues me just because of the power. You know, he got the Double A last year, and like you said, you could stash him for half the year, and then by you know, presumably by the second half of the year, you've moved some people, and you might be able to throw him at first base. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are some interesting names out there. We we always have to remember, though, that Rule 5 guys rarely do anything good <laughs> other than what Brad Keller last year. Um, I mean, you know, it happens occasionally, but uh, I don't know. It's fun to talk about. I'd uh, like the Michael Geddes is a guy that's just super tooled up but strikes out a thousand times and never walks. It's like, huh, well, that's no fun. But I remember people like, oh, he's got tools like Mike Trout when he was coming out of the draft. And, uh, People always forget about the, the the hit tool, which is kind of important. <laughs> I know, you know the one thing with Hyro Barris, I'm always concerned with uh, conversions, with them blowing out their arms, just from not being used to the the pitching that much. You know, I think did it happen to Ghost? Yeah, it happened to Ghost. It happened to there was somebody else that happened to a couple of years ago. Um... Yeah, was it like a Schaefer or something? Somebody like that. Like it's, it's these guys who. They convert, and they're just, you know, they don't have the – their arms aren't ready for it. And then, but it's interesting when you're throwing that hard. I mean, who was uh, – wasn't that dude uh, Alexi Ogando? I feel like he was an outfielder. Yeah, Ogando was, and then he was one of only a few that actually made a decent career out of it. Yeah, he was great for a little while, and then it felt like the Rangers screwed him up by moving him back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. But um, So, yeah, it can, it can – I mean, I'd like that just for the story. Like, that's a cool story. Like the Carlos Guzman thing. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And again, even like the, the guy who also is out there too, who is six seven, is uh, Sam McWilliams. But I don't know. I mean, he might be gone at that point. So, yeah, I think Baseball America has him as their number one I believe, right yes. now, which I assume means that they they've got some intel that the Orioles might be taking him. But I don't know. I mean, they, nobody guessed Victor Reyes last year. As guess the Tigers taking him because it didn't make any damn sense. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't make any damn sense. No. Um, but even like uh, another, I, I, somebody like even like Roberto Ramos who plays first. I mean, he's only plays first base. So uh, Joshua Mickey, 
Omeke? Am I saying that correctly? I, I pronounce it Akame. I don't know exactly how it's pronounced, but... Yeah. No, they're, they're corner bats. Uh, the one thing that this, uh, other than Richie Martin, I don't know if there's a lot of like middle infielders in this one. Or Ken Wong, I guess, but... I don't know. It, I'll be following it tomorrow like an idiot. Like, ooh. And then, <laughs> you know, and then later on in spring training, I'll notice that 70% of these players get offered back to their original team. Yeah, or maybe or Matt Sherrock, who's the other middle infielder that's out there for the Cardinals. Yeah, he's got some of that Cardinals magic dust on him. Yeah, which always seems to follow Cardinals around. So uh, with that in mind, yeah, the Rule 5 will, will be keeping track and uh, – sure one of us probably keon i'm not sure what your schedule is keon in the morning but uh i'm sure uh, one of us will be out there i, I got my uh tracker all set up on my twitter on twitter ready to go so <laughs> yeah it it starts at noon eastern so um yeah you know, and chris we we left victor reyes off the things that mudheads fans have to look forward to this oh year. <laughs> yes that's right the sweet swinging victor reyes <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, yep, Garage will be all over his exit velocity all year. Great. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I don't know. There's not a whole lot to say about that. I, I just, uh, you know, the thought process that one that one's bothered me so much, uh, so much more than it should. Like you know, I wanted Zach Barty or whatever, and he wasn't good last year either. But we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I should say, I, you know, I did go, we mentioned this before, but I went and, and met with the Tigers brought up four of their top five pitching prospects to sign autographs at the D shop in downtown Detroit. And that was, uh, it was pretty cool. You know, the, the guys, they seem to enjoy each other's company and they, they, afterward, they signed autographs for like an hour and a half or two hours. And afterward they came and talked to the media and we got like 10 minutes with each one of them. And, and they all seemed uh, pretty interesting guys. You know, you're not going to get a whole lot of, uh, good information out of him. I asked uh, I asked Matt Manning if he uh, the Tigers talked to him about analytics and stuff. He said, "Nah, they're an old school team, and I don't want to hear about it anyway." <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Fado, I asked Fado about you know their sports science because there was a story about him and a couple other guys going mm-hmm. to U of M to like study the sports science stuff. And he said, "Yeah, but uh, it's kind of in house stuff, so I don't want to talk to you about it." <laughs> I was like, "Well, damn it! <laughs> What's the point of all this?" We did. We did learn that that Fado is basically left-handed. I, oh. I looked over and he was signing autographs with his left hand. I'm like, is that just because he's tired of like signing with his right hand? And then he said, no, he, he eats with his left hand. He kicks soccer balls with his left hand. So we're like, why the hell don't you throw with your left hand? What if you throw like a hundred? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, and that's most of the baseball stuff they said wasn't all that interesting. You know, Perez is throwing. He started out throwing 60 feet, and then he's up to 75. He's going to move to 90 feet soon. All three of the guys are, have started their throwing programs uh, so far for the year, or all four of the guys. Um, yeah. Casey Mize is doing most of his wedding planning right now because <laughs> his wife is in school. So he's, like, picked out the venue. Yeah. You yeah. About, you non-baseball big, stuff, mostly. You talked about how big he was. He was built like a linebacker. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's the one thing that stood out to me. Um a couple things stood out to me. One was, yeah, Casey Mize was just like big, broad chest, like barrel chested, big arms. He looked like a guy who's like just jacked, which is not what I was expecting. I don't know why. I, I guess, um, you know, Perez is a big guy. He's got big forearms and, and uh, 
Fado's a big tall dude, but but Manning just looked like he's got his full man body, or not Manning, uh, uh, Mize has his full man body. And Manning is an impressive looking athlete too, but he's not, like his shoulders weren't quite as wide as I expected. But yeah, Mize is just a built dude. I don't, I don't, uh, seems like he's working out pretty hard. He's down in Nashville. He said he's working out with uh, a bunch of pro uh, baseball players every day. I was looking. That's where his agency is. It's like the Bledsoe agency. And they've got Justin Smoke and some other guys, you know, Tony Sip. Not 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 like the cream of the crop, but uh, some big leaguers there. Um, yeah, and then, uh, I don't know. I got I got I got a pretty good impression, pretty good vibe from Mize that that he's going to, you know, make things work. He, like at first he's not going to hurt him or anything like that. But which is completely touchy-feely stuff. You know, I admit, but uh, you could see talk, from talking to him, you could see why he went first overall. I'll say that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. it's good to get some t- FaceTime down there too. So it's uh, always a blast, and uh, especially when you get a chance. I mean, yeah, they're not gonna say, not gonna give you the you know. Well, I, you know last year, I took a little bit off my curveball, and especially well, <laughs> yeah, we we. Uh, I don't think Fado was particularly happy with us. Uh, Anthony Finnick asked him like a couple questions about his lower de- uh, velocity. And he was like, I could care less. And it was like, Ooh, <laughs> all right. And then I asked him why he gave up so many more home runs in Erie. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Well, you know, it was just like, it, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's nobody wants to hear. No athlete wants to hear questions like that from guys who look like us. Um, <laughs> But I mean, you know, this is this is part of the job, and and yeah, you know, Fado said that you know he was throwing a lot of strikes. He he and, and the park was a little bit smaller, and the hitters are better, and and you know, he just a uh, I don't know. He, he seemed he was perfectly uh, affable guy. You know, he, he we got to talking about sports at the end, and he was he was really locked in. Like he knew all about Michigan football. He was talking about how like yeah, I didn't see that happening against Ohio State. I'm like oh yeah. He's, uh, you know, he was talking about basketball and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, he didn't seem particularly keen on talking about his struggles in baseball, which I don't know. You know, I got it made me feel a little bit like maybe, maybe he's not handling failure that well, which is always a key thing. But maybe he just didn't want to talk about it. I don't know. I mean, we've seen videos of him being super competitive in the College World Series, so I, I try to be careful about how I you know, get the impressions of these kids just based on talking to them. You know, you got to go out and see them compete. So, but, you know, I asked Franklin Perez if he had been to, uh, if he was going to go to the Venezuelan restaurant, restaurant in Detroit. Have you ever been there, Roger? No, uh, not, not yet. It's, no, it's like a rapist or something, something rapist. He said, no, but some, some, uh, person from Venezuela came up there to give him some, uh, like Venezuelan corn cakes, which I thought was, that's like really nice. Those are pre- just, uh, those are pretty badass, though. I've had those. Uh, yeah, I've never had one. It was like cachapas or something like cachapas, that. Cachapas, yeah, cachapas are delicious. If you ever get a chance to try them, no, I've not tried that. I, I I felt bad for him too because where he was sitting in the autograph line, like mm-hmm. the sun was just shooting in from the windows right in his face, and he had he had to wear sunglasses. It was like, man, that sucks. But uh, yeah, I know you asked uh, Matt Manning a question about if he wanted to slam dunk on somebody. I did. I, well, I, you know, I asked him if he gets to 
play basketball anymore. And he said his dad is uh, his dad is the head coach of the high school where he went. Uh, and I asked him who he would want to dunk on. He said, "I, you know, anybody really dunking on people is fun." <laughs> like, All right. I was hoping he'd you know, have like a fun answer, like, oh, I want to dunk on Fado. But, uh, you know, all these kids are too too polished to say anything ridiculous. Well, either way, it sounded like a blast. And, uh, and Yeah, I should have. I, I, I just I finally transcribed all the interviews today. Mm-hmm. I spent like a day looking for some transcription software because I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this. Did you find uh, it? Did you find so it? No, <laughs> I mean, there's like a, like an Adobe thing that you can do, but it's like 300 bucks. It's like, ah, whatever. Am I like the press secretary for the president? I'm not transcribing shit. Um, so I just kind of typed it all out and I'm going to try to put together an article for Detroit sports media. Is that it? Right. Yep. That's, all right. <laughs> I should probably know this and shout out to, uh, oh boy, I forgot his name. Uh, the other kid from Detroit sports media who was there, uh, he said he listens to the show, Bradley. Bradley, I think. Yeah, Bradley Merrill. Yeah, Bradley, good dude on Michigan State. So yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. I feel bad. I'm terrible with names, so I hope he doesn't take that personally. No, yeah, Brad, no, Bradley's a good dude. And I, 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 I for, thank you for listening, by the way. So, uh, Rod, time, Keon, thanks so much. I know we kept you up a little late. I appreciate you coming on this evening, talking Tigers, talking baseball, talking your Buckeyes. You know, it is what it is, and that's fine. I'm a great. The prospects are coming. They're coming back soon. We'll be able to talk actual minor league baseball here in oh four months. Yeah, in about four months. But uh, I mean, as 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 uh, Chris and I like to call December get creative month for these podcasts. Uh, we took the week off last week, and uh, we'll probably be back next week. Um, I sense a Perry discussion. I think a Perry appearances do. Yeah, I should. I can get talking to Perry. I mean the. the uh, I don't know when the Oscar nominations are coming out. Yeah, they're coming out soon. But uh, also, Chris had another guest in mind, which we'll kind of keep on the wraps for now. So uh, that's what we call in the biz a tease. So uh, Chris made a contact <laughs> at the uh, Tigers and their uh, Tigers. Stormy team. Daniels. <laughs> 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 oh, God. That would go horrible because I would ask for one question and then it would be over. But uh, right. at that rate. But, uh, no, maybe uh, you know what? maybe we'll bring in um, – you know what? We'll bring in Morris Day from the time, and we'll just talk. Maybe he'll have some days oh. about Twins baseball back in the '80s and reminisce about. Uh, be sweet. Bucket. Yeah, but uh, anyway, um, I still my dream guest is to get the the basses from REM because he has a band that talks about Dale Murphy, which is pretty sweet. So, <laughs> but uh, that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. But either way, thank you for listening, to Tigers SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Don't forget to check out all our great podcasts, new episodes of Out of Bounds Detroit, and. Parsons is slow. Well, you can check out our website, sportsrealdetroit.com, and all the play-by-play action. And this weekend, we'll be covering the MIH, MIHL KLA crossover matchup as uh, Stevenson takes on Orchard Lake St. Mary's on Saturday night. Uh, game start puck drops at 5.30. Ben and I will be on the call for that. And Salem, Plymouth Salem will be, uh, will be playing the game beforehand, too, and I don't know their opponent off the top of my head right now. But anyway, catch all the action here on sportsrealdetroit.com. For all your high school hockey needs, shout out to the Lavoie Stevenson parents who have uh, been listening to the Tigers podcast. Uh, I got a couple of compliments over the weekend. I went to the UP for the first time, and they were saying they're regular listeners. And uh, so, thank you to Mike, Scott, and some of the other parents over there, Lavoie Stevenson. Really appreciate it. Keon, thanks again. We really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to your your Facebook page is a godsend because trust me, when I get slammed like I do at work and life. It's good to know that even as slam as you are and doing recitals and all that stuff, 
You keep it up, man. Your schedule is just insane as mine. It. So uh, kudos to you, my friend. Thanks very much for having me, guys. And no problem, man. And, yeah, uh, good to hear from you. Well, uh, we'll we'll talk again soon.